Soccer fans, here we are. This is Nick for Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. Thanks to everyone on the live stream who noticed real quick that there were some technical difficulties. I guess that happens when you share an office with three small children and the mic gets unplugged from your laptop as well as all your settings get thrown off when you're trying to quickly reset. So as I was saying to an audience of myself, uh, in this episode, we are going to recap the USMNT's game against the Dutch, their final game of this World Cup. We're going to look back at some of the good things they did during the knockout round, as well as take a look forward as to what the Federation and the squad and the players need to improve on before we play host to the world in 2026. And in the second half of the show, we are going to take a look at some of the MLS transfers that have been occurring, and we'll get you up to speed on everything happening for your team, for the East, the West, and uh, what some of these moves just might mean. I want to thank Rocky at Talking to Woods, who already jumped in because he is pumped for his Portland Timbers to sign some new attacking talent. We're going to get to Evander for sure. Connor No Soccer is joining us as well. Connor, thank you for all the chats and everything jumping in during all the World Cup streams and everything on Twitter. Angus McCorder, great to have you back on the chat. Appreciate you being here with us and sending in all of your soccer comments as we do each and every week. So without further ado, let's dive into some of our USMNT talk. Uh, as we all know, at this point, the United States lost 3-1. to one against the Netherlands, against the Dutch, against Holland. Pick one, the result stays the same, losing 3-1 to one in that knockout round. Now, the biggest moment in this match was definitely the second goal for the Dutch, coming not even 30 seconds before halftime. That just kind of killed everything that the United States had been doing up to that point, and it really probably changed everything that was going to be said in the locker room at halftime, if you're going into that game one nothing uh, down as the United States, you can continue to play your game. You can continue to do uh, the things that you think you do best and hopefully get that goal. They had some good opportunities. Going down 2 nothing. they had to make some changes, and they could not get the tactical adjustments done at halftime. Let's take a quick look at some of the statistics, and then we can kind of get some of your thoughts in the chat as to what you saw and what you expected. Looking at the stats, and as I tweeted this out during the game, this is this is a result where the stats don't matter. The United States had almost 60% of the possession, 17 shots, 8 on goal. They had over almost 570 passes at an 83% passing completion rate. Now, if we're comparing this to, to the club game, this is actually pretty decent numbers here, right? They had five corners, 22 crosses, and I'm sure that a lot of those came in late in the game when they were just trying to generate something, and they got away from all sorts of kind of tactics and formations and were just lobbing balls in. Three offsides, at least they were pushing forward. Here's where you saw a little bit of a shift to the Dutch. They had a plus four duels one, uh, as well as plus four on tackles one. Uh, both keepers came up with some saves, uh, five saves for the Dutch, four for Matt Turner and net for the U.S., um, and 
looking at some of the other lesser stats here can, can kind of tell you a little bit that the Dutch had 27 clearances. So the U.S. was putting pressure on them, right? Looking at the shooting breakdown, you can see here that there were a lot of shots getting peppered in from the various areas around the box. Like you see where the Dutch get their goals were right in those main areas here, right? And looking at the United States, they, they had shots coming in from this just most dangerous zone right on the edge of the box, that zone 14, as it's called. They were getting in some dangerous areas, but could not get those high quality opportunities. The best opportunity was that early one, second or third minute that Christian Pulisic was not able to find the back of the net on. And again, that goes in completely different game. The Dutch open up their tactics of uh, kind of absorbing pressure and you know, passing the ball around the back line to try to disorganize the United States defense. Maybe that doesn't happen, or maybe it does. But again, Pulisic doesn't get the goal, and the game unfolds as it does. If you want to look at the passing statistics, despite the United States having an 83% possession, uh, 83% completion on their passing, only 70% of the completion came in the attacking half and 67% in the final third. So you could see that they were not completing passes in dangerous areas and only 11% completion on the crosses. So despite all the crosses, very, very few were actually any sort of threat to the defense. And if you uh, are, are a fan of expected goals, I think the Dutch had around 1.7 XG and the United States had around 1.5 XG. So the Dutch Few shots, few opportunities, making the most of them. The United States, on the other hand, unable to convert their, um, you know, their best chances. I'm going to throw the lineups up here while I read some of your comments because we've got a lot of great comments that are coming in on the chat. And I encourage anyone who's listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications, and join us every Monday night. And for those listening on the podcast. Uh, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you find us on YouTube and join the live chat if you're ever available. We got some great comments that are coming in here. And Rocky says it says it best here. Possession numbers kind of lie in this game is a perfect example because the Dutch let us in. Right. The, the, the Dutch, everyone thought the battle would be in the midfield. And the United States controlled, I think, controlled for large parts of the game in the midfield. But the Dutch were able to maintain possession uh, along... In, in their defensive third and really allowed their, um, you know, their game plan to play out the way we wanted a new Wiseman with a great, a great comment here. I'm sorry. The Dutch played out the way they wanted against the United States. Uh, a new Wiseman says Van Dyke kept our strikers at bay. And actually, if you guys want to get into a real deep dive of the tactics and, and the formation breakdown of this, um, the last episode of Extra Time over at the MLS really, really gets in the nitty gritty of, of Van Dyke's man marking and Davy Clausen's kind of man marking and pushing high up and how that just kind of threw the U.S. out of their shape a little bit. And the U.S. couldn't hit those long balls. But go ahead over there. Check that out if you want. But from from what I saw, where I think the United States came up short was in those second half adjustments, despite having the energy, the intensity, showing that we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dutch team that is one of the tops in the world, and they played like it so far during this World Cup, uh, we were not able to really take advantage of our chances, number one, so individual talent needs to improve, but number two, when we saw what those Dutch defenders were doing when Van Dyke was stepping forward and Clausen was stepping forward, or when the Dutch in their own possession were really sort of knocking around the ball, the United States was not disciplined enough 
uh, to anticipate where those Dutch passes would be. And if you look at the three goals, you can always find at least one American player out of position. Look, maybe that's youth. Maybe that's inexperience. It probably is. If you want to have a comparison in American sports, look at American football. When the linebacker or the cornerback releases and thinks the safety's got he's got safety help over the top, and the safety's actually on the other side of the field or coming down to to, to bite on a run fake, that's kind of what happened with the United States. We didn't get the rotations over. Think about it in basketball, right? Help defense. Those rotations, those helpers were not coming over. It allowed uh, Dutch attackers to get open looks and they are not going to miss when they have that kind of quality. Let's take a couple other comments and then we can get into some other, uh, some other comments I had. Rocky says it here, Dutch coach playing checkers, Greg Berhalter, the American coach, playing connect four. Well, he did connect a lot of passes, right? I, I suppose if that's that's going to be the comment, I can roll with it. Rocky continues on saying, stats usually don't lie, quote unquote, but we saw how confident they were in defense. And it was absolutely right. Now, the one thing I'm going to say about the Dutch tactics here, a lot of people are ripping apart Greg Berhalter. And to a certain extent, he deserves criticism for not being able to adjust. Now, in a condensed uh tournament format with a young lineup maybe it was never going to happen but at the same time he got beat by louis van hall who's one of the best coaches probably of all time depending on who you ask so the fact that you lose to him that he outclassed you that he outcoached you i mean tip of the head it's louis van hall right so i guess we can't i guess we can't fault the americans for being outcoached by one of the best to ever do it so, uh, but they do have to do better. There were certain things they could have done better. Absolutely. All right, let's get back to some of my notes on here. I want to, I want to start positive. This is, this is me. Should we do the compliment sandwich guys? Say something good, say something bad, say something. No, we'll start positive and then we'll look at some of the things moving forward. Right. Um, positive coming out of this world cup, the United States got out of a group that was much more difficult than I think American fans wanted to, wanted to say. I think a lot of American fans wanted us to do bad so that they could feel justified in their criticism of the federation, of the coach, and of certain players. But the United States group, we saw Iran, Wales, and the United States were very, very closely ranked in, in a lot of metrics. And we saw those results that it was only England that really had the one result that stood out among the group when they defeated Iran 6-2. to two. Otherwise, the results were pretty tight. So these teams were a lot more closely ranked and more evenly matched than I think we thought going in. And then to go up toe-to-toe with the Dutch and be in it for about 40-ish or so minutes, that is experience that this young American squad and this U.S. Soccer Federation that pretty much hit the reset button in 2019 uh, is going to take with them for the next World Cup. The other thing is you're never going to get this kind of experience playing in CONCACAF. And I've seen a lot of people calling to try and get the United States to go play in uh, the Cone Mabel tournament, the South American tournament, to get some additional experience there. Um, also, I would, I'd love to see the Confederations Cup come back and maybe the, the United States is winning gold cups and they could get into that. Uh, now, the Confederations Cup has been canceled by FIFA. Um, they, I, I think COVID, re COVID really sealed that. I don't know if they ever planned on doing one prior to 2022 Qatar, but COVID definitely squashed all plans for that. FIFA said they want to concentrate more on the club game, club world cup, give the players more times with their club teams. Um, 
okay, fine. But then you're also talking about biennial World Cups and expanding the field to 48 teams. Like none of, none of that really makes sense to me. None of that seems consistent to me. So um, I think FIFA was just looking for an excuse to kill the Confed Cup. Uh, maybe Qatar uh, complained about having to host it or that they couldn't host it and get their stadiums built a year, a year ago. I hope it comes back. I hope it gives uh, the United States an opportunity to get some more high-quality international matches. Um, yeah, I think that would be great, more experience. The other thing we got out of this is confidence, and we talked about matching up toe-to-toe with the Dutch, the English. You know, Yes, we didn't get the results we wanted, but first of all, I, the U.S. wasn't going to win the World Cup. There's no way they're going to beat the Netherlands uh, and then Argentina and then teams like France or Brazil or England in the final if it came to that. Probably not. So we weren't going to win the World Cup. At some point, we were going to lose, guys. I, I think that's just me being realistic in it. So we, we ended up losing, but we showed that the United States isn't going to play the bunker encounter and maybe get lucky on a set piece like we used to. We can come out and we can show that our tactics, our formations, and the skill level is at that higher level level. I remember a couple years back, U.S. was getting ripped apart because everyone said they can't play a possession style. They don't have the players to do it. Well, they did it this World Cup. They got out of the group and for just about one half went toe-to-toe with the Dutch. Also, the other positive I'm going to take away is the ability to identify both dual national talent and young talent. We saw Jedi Anthony Robinson really come into his own and get a lot of opportunities. We saw Eunice Musa and Josh Sargent kind of develop. Musa, we got that dual national ability, and he got every opportunity to excel. Sargent had his ups and downs, and, and, and the U.S. coaching staff took a lot of criticism for not having him in more. But when I guess when push came to shove, he, he was the guy in the World Cup for us, at least in the starting lineup, maybe not the guy to score the goals. Um, But anyway, they're identifying certain talent. This is the largest player pool that we have seen in decades, if, if ever in the United States soccer federation, right? So they had to pick and choose their guys. They had to cut it down to 26. Um, We saw the ability to identify certain talent. Now on the flip side, on the negative takeaways, they need to identify more talent. They need depth. They need strikers. Uh, the strikers, I don't think, have scored, other than Ricardo Pepe's like, hat trick against some Caribbean team, I don't think the strikers have scored nearly as many goals as the midfielders and wingers combined. So that's a problem. So those are some of the negative takeaways, things we have. Let me, let me use my corporate speak. Areas of growth, places we can improve upon in the future, right? Okay, those were areas we stunk this last cycle, and we definitely can find more talent moving forward. Some of the other negative takeaways I get out of this World Cup are that the fans are engaged, which is positive, but it's mostly negative engagement. Just go on Twitter for five minutes, search the hashtag USMNT or Burhalter out, and you'll see what I mean. Also, the other takeaway, we need better competition than CONCACAF. Now, COVID really screwed that up. And even though I like the Nations League format, having these kind of smaller CONCACAF nations have to work their way up, it'll help develop them. We need better top-end competition for the United States, Mexico, Canada, and to an extent, Costa Rica, Honduras, and maybe even Panama. The United States needs to be getting games against Uruguay, Netherlands, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Morocco. Not just these friendlies before the before the Cup, guys. They need to play those as their tune-ups for bigger competitions and then get to the level where they are playing friendlies against England, France, Germany, Spain, and go toe-to-toe with those guys. We're on the path. I just hope FIFA allows us to do it. 
And then, of course, everything's been said about coaching. Burhalter needs to make better halftime adjustments as well as figure out some of his substitution patterns. Now, is, is there struggles in this World Cup a result of a young team that is having a difficult time adjusting on the fly? Is it a result of him being a poor coach or making poor decisions? Is it a result of the United States really controlling games and playing the game they want to? So why change it with, with you know early substitutions in the second half? Maybe it's a combination of all three, but at the end of the day, our coaches do need to get better. Let me take some of your comments here, and then I'll give you a final thought on the USMNT here, right? So we have a new Wiseman jumping in saying, don't forget, Pulisic put his soccer balls on the line against Iran to get out of the group. You're absolutely right. Without that one spectacular play, this is a completely different conversation the United States may not be getting out of the group. We've got T-Mac jumping in the conversation. Great to see you back, T-Mac. He says USA needs to get into Copa America with Mexico and Canada. That would be phenomenal. I would love to see some other kind of, I'm not going to say Super League, but like an international something or other where we can get U.S., Mexico, Canada to go play maybe a little friendly tournament with Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, something like that, maybe even Chile or Venezuela uh, to increase the competition there. We're, we're seeing it with MLS and Liga MX and the Campiones Cup, uh, Leagues Cup, things of that nature. Now, if we, if we can do that on the international level, then I think that would help the United States immensely. Angus McCorder says we need a more flexible coach who can adjust to his talent pool. See, that's that's interesting, and that's a big point of contention and comment and criticism, Angus, and I'm glad you brought it up, uh, because at the beginning of Greg Berhalter's tenure, it was we need to develop more talent, we need to be able to play a better style, we need to be able to play a style of soccer that can compete with the big boys, because you can't just bunker and counter against some of the major footballing nations that are out there, because they are too good um so we did that over the two years but where i think you you, where your point really comes in that we need to be more flexible sorry i'm stumbling over my words there i'm so excited to talk about this where i think the idea of flexibility needs to come in is when you have options like Wea, reyna aronson and you can use those three guys in kind of one position if needed be how are you going to rotate them in and out? How are we going to be more flexible? How is Serginho Dest going to be more flexible than a DeAndre Yedlin? Kind of those more micro-level flexibility. That's what I'm thinking. And Rocky says, over half the MLS players are already South American anyway. Good idea, Nick. There we go. Thanks, Rocky. I appreciate you saying I have a good idea every now and then. Best way to get in the chat is to compliment the host. Definitely. A new wise man with a comment, if Daryl DK wasn't hurt and was at his form when he was at Barnsley, then he'd truck Van Dyke into the ground. I would have loved to see that matchup between two just giant beasts of men of soccer mass just going at it. I would have loved to see, especially if Van Dyke was going to be kind of man marking him a little bit or following him if he's dropping back. But, you know, DK, not hurt. And I don't know how well he would have fit into maybe a, a false nine role that Burhalter wanted to play against the Netherlands. Then again, maybe it was uh, just what Burhalter's plan was all along. Okay, great comments, guys. Let me leave you with a few thoughts, and then we'll jump into halftime here. Overall, though, I had so much fun 
watching this United States men's national team at World Cup 2022 in Qatar. They played high-intensity, entertaining soccer, and it really got me into the game. I'm jumping around my living room, watching everything, even my my six-year-old, who has more energy than a dozen Energizer bunnies, is looking at me going, Baba, you're making me nervous. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> That's Those are the looks I was getting from my six-year-old. I had so much fun with my kids. I had so much fun watching this, introducing them to the World Cup with the United States. We were at breakfast with Santa for the second half of the U.S.-Netherlands game, and I'm on my phone. We've got gingerbread houses and candy and carols and and here's my family huddled over my phone watching the usa versus netherlands like that is going to be one of our christmas memories from from here on out remember that time when the gingerbread house got half finished because we were watching the u.s play the dutch like it has been so much fun for for many many reasons also for all the live chats that mike has been hosting the listen-ins the watch-alongs uh, that he has been doing, listening to World Cup broadcasts in my car, driving to work, not trying to yell and scream and, and make sure my car stays in the lane as I'm going 75 miles down the highway, right? Like these are some of the, the memories, being able to talk about it with everyone here on the live chat on a weekly basis. These are some of the great memories that I'm going to have as a U.S. fan during World Cup 2022 and and i i absolutely couldn't have enjoyed it anymore other than when the united states if, if they would have just been winning a little bit more so guys we're going to take a quick halftime break please keep the chat going a new wise man rocky angus you guys have got some great comments so i encourage everyone listening to come back and check these comments out on the live chat Daniel Young is back in the chat. Daniel, glad to see you. We are right. Vander is a good signing for Portland. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So we'll be back after a short word from our sponsors. If you're on YouTube, hang tight for about 30 seconds or so. And if you're on the podcast, please make sure you get out to 7-Eleven, buy a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water, and stay tuned for a Chicago Fire update from our good friend, longtime supporter of the show, John Donovan. We'll be right back after this. This MLS Weekly Recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. Nick, John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire and the MLS. Um, gosh, this I tell you, Nick, this World Cup is just exciting to watch. The the skill and the, um, the bench, the replacement players that are getting out on the field are all, just put it right there, they're wonderful. The skill level of soccer is unbelievable. I thought the U.S. team played well. If they had had that center fullback and probably a number nine, or number 10 player, they might have been able to beat the Netherlands. They had the shots, but it just didn't go home for them. But I'm here to talk about the Chicago Fire. And as always, Nick and Mike, there's hardly any news about the Chicago Fire. It's almost as if they disappear every year. You know, when you have football and basketball and hockey and everything else, they try to keep their team in the press all year long. The Chicago Fire might as well have just disappeared um, the first thing, there's about seven points I want to make, Nick. The first thing, and it just amazed me, is Joe Monsueto, 
the guy that just gave $25 million to the mayor of Chicago for a re-election, signed, re-signed Heinz as the GM. Heinz has been miserable. He has three bad years behind him, and uh, the team uh, will be his fourth, it'll be his fourth year, and there's no trades, there's no, hardly any moves that he's done. I can't believe there'll be any improvement. Um, the Even, even the uh, new teams to the league, St. Louis, has probably a better team today than the Chicago Fire. So why he didn't go out and make a move to get somebody that was successful in the MLS is a question that I'll never be able to answer. Um, uh, the second thing is, you know, that we had some excitement at the end of the season with Duran. He seemed to mature. He's got all the skill, the speed, the jumping ability, the shots. Kid's really good. And um, there's a lot of talk about him being gone. Um, Manchester United and a couple of other the Premier League teams are interested in his skill level. And I, I, I really, he is going to be a wonderful player. And you look at Manchester United, they lost Ronaldo. And I can't think, I don't think there's a better player floating around that's a free agent, more or less, or can be bought relatively cheaply than Duran. Um, so with Duran gone, maybe. And with Gaga gone, we have, have to look for a new forward. We've got to look for a new midfielder. Um, a lot of questions. Uh, Heinz has to sign a DP, which we already have the slot open, and his signing of DPs has been miserable. I mean, he always goes for that old European that's had good days like Shakiri, and then comes over to our league and just does nothing. I mean, it su super surprised me that the Chicago Fire named Shakiri Player of the Year. I mean, he walked himself out of a very important game at the 88th minute. He was hurt. He uh, scored a total of four goals that weren't penalty kicks for $8.2 million. Are you kidding me? I mean, it was a disaster. And part of the disaster um, is the fire signing players and then putting them out of position. Shakiri is a wing. Switzerland plays him as a wing. In the MLS, he would eat up the fullbacks um, that would be against him, but he is not a good center mid at all. And Ezra stuck him in there, and he's just he's playing a guy out of position over and over again. It'd be like taking a shortstop and putting him as a catcher. It um, very frustrating. Um, and then Shakiri is having a very good World Cup, which everybody knew he was going to do. He's not coming out; they're subbing him out about the 70th minute. But he's playing very hard, which he did not do with the Chicago Fire. Um, the next thing is Ezra. You know, Ezra, the, he was a great 20-year assistant coach, but it's obvious he is not a head coach. I mean, when you can't control basically two players on the field that killed him with cards was um, both Navarros. He just couldn't control the temperament of the squad, and that is not a head coach. I mean, if, if I, luckily enough, would have been a head coach, I'd have said anybody that goes to the referee and wears out the referee is going to be fined $5,000. That would have stopped it right now. Um, the, uh, the, fire, you know, the fire team overall, when you think about the squad next year, they've lost a right fullback. Uh, they have to replace that. The goalie is gone. Um, 
Navarro from Venezuela, I thought he was pretty weak. Um, they have to reposition some center midfielders. Um, they still, you know, Heinz signed a lot of long-term contracts. Ivanov is a long-term contract. Espinosa, and you know, we all you had to do was look at Espinosa in the Omaha game. He lost that game for the fire. He doesn't. Both those players do not belong in the MLS. So you know, the team. I I don't know where they're going next year. I mean, assuming they're going to be at Soldier Field, but uh, where they're going with their player development, you know, will they play some of these homegrown players? They're going to have to. There's not going to be a choice. And then finally, the very last thing is when are they going to get rid of Frank Klopas? Klopas has been with this team for 13 years, either as announcer, color guy, coach, assistant coach, and for 13 years, the team has been rotten. And, um, you know, why don't they uh, Why don't they get rid of Klopas and put Bernstein in as player coach? I mean, it would be a marvelous move. The guy's smart. He's been around the world. He knows the game. He played way higher than Klopas ever played. Um, and we just got to get rid of Klopas off the bench. Until he's gone, the fire are going to be uh, in bad luck. So, Nick... Loved your, your show the last couple of weeks. Um, keep it going. I uh, can't wait till this, the MLS season starts again, or at least the activity. I'd like to look at all the activity that, that's happening. It looks like the Montreal coach might go down to Columbus, which would be very smart on there, on Columbus's uh, part. And um, we'll just have to see. I, St. Louis is coming in this year. I've been kind of following their roster. And I, right now, I think their roster is a little bit better than the fire. So um, can I think the question will be, can the fire perform better than the new teams in the league? That's always an interesting topic. So have a good night, guys. Um, I'm rooting for Argentina. I love to keep that World Cup out of Europe. Take care. Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right, we are back for the second half of the show. Thank you for allowing me a moment to catch my breath. I'm going to try and slow it down here so I can get all the words out in the right order with the right syllables. Syllabi? Syllables is? Anyway, we'll figure it out together. Uh, Thank you again to John Donovan and to Skira Icelandic Spring Water for being our biggest supporter of Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. We wouldn't be here without them and their support. So make sure next time you're you're walking by your corner store, you see that 7-Eleven, go grab a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water. pH balanced, only the best water for you. Also, John, thanks for the Chicago Fire update. Uh, The Chicago Fire haven't been making too many moves. We've seen kind of uh, more so who they haven't signed than who they have. We also saw Jardin Shakiri of Switzerland having a decent World Cup tournament. God, I wish we could have seen that with the Chicago Fire this last year. Things might have gone a little bit better for them. Maybe they squeak into the playoffs. But we've got some more Chicago Fire news coming up in a little bit. But right now, we are going to take a look around the MLS. we got some transfer tracker up here on the screen. We'll look at a few headlines. But first, some big news out of LA, or Carson more appropriately, the LA Galaxy have been sanctioned by Major League Soccer for violations of salary, budget, and roster guidelines in 2019. So the league's audits are going back a few seasons, and they caught the Galaxy cooking the books a bit in relation to Christian Pavone's salary. The club did not include certain payments in their salary and roster category. 
The league found it and issued the following sanctions. A million-dollar fine, a million-dollar loss of general allocation money, and they're prohibited from international signings in the summer transfer window. So big money moves against the Galaxy. They're going to either have to blitz this winter uh, and get some things done, or they're just going to have to eat it for this next season. Uh, unfortunately for them, they seem to be making progress. They look like they may be able, with a few, with few right moves, to contend for some trophies, and it looks like this is really going to set them back. In addition to the club sanctions, President Chris Klein has been suspended through the winter 2023 transfer window, so head coach Greg Vanny is going to assume his duties. And former general manager Dennis Teclosa, who is no longer in MLS, I forget where he ended up, uh, if he ever wants to come back and hold a job in Major League Soccer, he's got to apply to the league to be reinstated, and I'm sure they'll hand out several penalties there. Now, this is awful for the Galaxy, but hey, you, you play with fire, you get burned, I suppose. Uh, but I would expect to see a couple more of these things. I think this is a wake-up call to the clubs. Now, we all know the salary cap in the league. We all know that players want to be paid a lot more money. And we as fans want to see increased salary caps so you can get bigger and better players. So what have the, these clubs been doing, right? They have been making sure that they work with these big name players, these stars, these designated players to get them endorsement deals, sponsorships, um, maybe some sweet real estate. Uh, I think the Galaxy just played it a little too uh, fast and loose and probably just giving them handouts uh, to Christian phone in this case. But we all know that they that these clubs are doing so much more to help offset the money that these star players could be making in other leagues around the world when there is no salary cap. I'd expect to see this more in the future. And Rocky says it right. Watch LAFC get hit next. They've been, uh, they've certainly been skirting the line according to a lot of people, right? And Rocky says it here, not having that transfer window is a huge dagger unless they get USMNT players. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Let's continue on with some of the transfer news here. As you can see, uh, we mentioned it last week. As you can see, you can't see. It's below the fold already here. Uh, we mentioned it last week that CF Montreal player uh, Alistair Johnson and Canadian men national team player Alistair Johnson was in talks with Scottish club Celtic. And that deal has been completed. We have seen, we have now seen a couple of players get over to the Scottish league. Um, Cameron Carter Vickers, even though I don't, he didn't come up in MLS, he is currently playing for Celtic. But now we've got Alistair Johnson over there. We saw um, Chris Mueller, currently of the Fire, formerly of Orlando City, go over with Hibernian. His tenure there was short-lived and unproductive. So hopefully Alistair Johnson uh, can make it make it work out. Uh, Nashville, though, Alistair Johnson formerly of Nashville before Montreal does have a 10% sell-on fee. So we'll, we'll wait and hear what kind of dollar signs come out of there. But right now the transfer market website has Alistair Johnson valued at around $6 million. So, Hey, 10% of that, not too shabby. If you're Nashville. Also some, some just odd news. This really Kind of shocked me, and then I and then I remembered that Bruce Arena is the coach of the New England Revolution, and that he signed a old hurt Josie Altidore recently. Uh, the New England Revolution have signed Bobby Wood, and again, did they not learn anything from from Josie Altidore? I was a fan of Bobby Wood when he was in his prime, but 
considering he couldn't do anything to help a struggling RSL team uh, the last few seasons, I don't know what kind of a difference he's going to make with New England. Maybe Arena just wants to help some of his old, old players get a few more bucks before they hit retirement. A lot of transfer news is coming out of Orlando. Last episode, we saw a lot of different moves that Orlando's made. They continue to do so. Uh, Orlando City signs 17-year-old homegrown Fabian Loyola. He's a U.S. youth international and spent a large part of last season with Orlando City B. So look to see him on the senior team. Look to see him getting some minutes. Joe Moutinho has left Orlando City. He's going to Serie A club Spezia on a free transfer. Uh, and Spezia just missed relegation. They were 17th out of 20 in Serie A last year. So they are looking to kind of shore up some talent. So that should be a great move for Jean Moutinho. They also signed defender Kyle Smith to a one-year deal with a second-year option in 2024. Now, Smith, this is probably one of the most indicative signings of what Orlando City is trying to do. They get him on a one-year deal with an option. He's 31 years old, 61 starts, 95 appearances in the last four seasons for Orlando. They're, they're looking short-term in certain areas. They're trying to get offense. We've seen some different signings. We saw Mauricio Pereira drop down from a designated player to a TAM deal. We now see Kyle Smith getting signed for a one-year deal. Now, it could be good for Smith. If he plays well enough with Orlando City, then he can get some sweet money in free agency next season. But you see, I think Orlando City is really trying to just kind of slap it, slap something together on defense and then really go for offense. We'll see who else they sign and if they fill their DP spots. Uh, Dallas. With some news, they sign former LAFC defender and MLS Cup champion Sebastian Ibiaga. Now, he's 30 years old, and it looks like a little bit of an insurance move if Matt Hedges leaves. And even if he stays, um, you know, there's a couple of aging center backs. Now, 30, I guess, isn't too bad for a center back, right? Uh, or, or for a defender, unless you need a wing back to be pushing up uh, and getting in on the attack. So Ibiaga could be penciled in as the starter, but they're going to need uh, – Nkosi Tafari to really step up. I think I said that name right. Maybe that's just the American soccer guy and me butchering foreign names here. Uh, but Nkosi Tafari is going to need to step up. He's kind of their young 25, 26-year-old, I think, center back who needs to have a really good season for them. Uh, let's take a look at a few more things. We're going to stay in the Western Conference here. Sporting Kansas City re-signed Graham Zussi, Roger Espinoza, and Andrew Fontes uh, of Fontes. Now, as an MLS fan, I love this. I love these guys. They're household names. Zussi's an MLS legend, kind of, you know, borderline USMNT legend. Uh, and Espinoza is one of the greats in SKC. And those two guys, along with Fontes, are going to provide some culture continuity as the club looks to rebuild. The problem is Zussi's 36, Espinoza's 36, and Fontes is 33 and on a two-year contract. So I'm, I'm starting to worry what SKC's plans are for the future. Um, they're going to keep their aging veterans around for another year or two. Their best players who are supposed to be their strikers like Polito and Gotti Kinda are not really working out due to injuries. And at some point they've got to replace 36 year old goalkeeper, Tim Melia. So this could be a rough year for sporting Kansas city. Let's take a few comments here and we'll get back into some of the, uh, some of the other transfer news. Brother BKL is jumping in. Salutations, everyone. Let's talk about it. BKL, we have been talking, brother. Glad you made it. Uh, Rocky says, curious as to where Joseph Martinez lands, if in the MLS. 
I mean, he's got a great reputation in the MLS. Uh, if anything, he's going to sell some jerseys and get fan interest. So it would not surprise me one little bit to see him playing uh, maybe at like a San Jose. God, I'd love to see him here in Chicago. They definitely need the striker help. And, and him teaching John Duran, another young South American, that would be fantastic. I'd love to see Joseph Martinez here in Chicago. The buzz would be incredible. But even if he doesn't play, I don't know if he has done well enough, and especially his drop in form after the knee injuries. I don't know if he's well enough to make a move to a big five uh, league in Europe or even go to Europe. I'm sure he has options in South America if he wants it. Uh, but I would love for him to stay in MLS, come to Chicago, or maybe a club that can maybe get him on the cheap, depending on uh, what Garth Lagerwey wants to do with him, their new CEO and president. Uh, which, by the way, I was listening to an interview of Garth Lagerwey on MLS Extra Time, and we were kind of thinking Carlos Bocanegra might be on the out, but unless Lagerwey is one of the best actors of all time, it sounds like he's going to keep Bocanegra around for another year or so uh, just to kind of allow him to do his thing and see if uh, if it fits his style. A new wise man, I know you're going to love hearing that Bocanegra is going to be back for another year potentially. Now, New Wiseman does say Charlotte got that one striker that Atlanta was looking to replace, Joseph Martinez, before backing out. And here we go. Here's the article right on here. Is that Enzo Capetti? Charlotte reached verbal agreement to sign Enzo Capetti. Um, we'll pull that up and we will jump in and see. Now, Rocky proposes a DP to DP trade is about a 20% drop. So the players don't like it. Interesting, Rocky. Interesting. That, that you're able to pull up some of those numbers. I like it. Well, anyway, here is Charlotte's uh, trade that I think a new Wiseman was talking about, or they're signing. Uh, they have reached an agreement with Racing Club to acquire forward Enzo Capetti. The deal would be about $6 million, it's being reported. He's a 27-year-old player, 21 goals in 47 games uh, from, I think that's the Argentine League. Correct me if I'm wrong out there, guys. My South American club soccer knowledge is a little bit lacking. Oh, yep, here it is. The 20, uh, they came in second, his club, 2022, the Argentine Primera División. So he is going to be a great addition to the attack of Charlotte FC. All right, getting back to some of the other news, I said we'd talk more Chicago Fire, and here we are. First of all, a little trivia here with player Jordan Shakiri. He is, he has now scored in three straight World Cups, very, very few players have done that, including some of the greats, Messi, Ronaldo, etc. Um, he's actually played in four World Cups, and only 51 players in men's World Cup history have played in four World Cups. And I actually mean getting minutes on the pitch. There have been a handful of others who have been on rosters for four World Cups, but to have actually played, gotten minutes, started whatever it is, in four World Cups, only 51 players, and now Jared Henshikiri has joined that list. Uh, by the way, only six players have ever played in five World Cups, and uh, I, I think Demarcus Beasley was a Trinidad and Tobago uh, equalizer away from being the seventh player. Anyway, the Chicago Fire additionally, this is big news for me as, as a Fire fan from back in the expansion days, Zach Thornton. Former Chicago Fire goalkeeper and Chicago Fire legend, also I think eight times capped for the U.S. men's national team, Zach Thornton is now the new Chicago Fire goalkeeper coach, 
and I, I'm a huge fan of this. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with the raw talent that Chris Brady has already has uh, and what he's doing on the youth international level and then translating that to the MLS game and what he is going to help some of the uh, MLS veterans tweak in their game as well. So very excited for Zach Thornton as the new goalkeeper coach. Um, his coaching pedigree, he's coached a little bit in college, I think maybe in Maryland, if I recall, uh, the article I was reading. He's also coached in MLS most recently with Houston, before that, D.C. And a little trivia about Zach Thornton. He is only one of three Chicago Fire players who were on their team for all six of their trophies uh, with C.J. Brown and Chris Armas. So the Chicago Fire won MLS Cup uh, and a Supporter Shield and then four U.S. Open Cups. Zach Thornton was a part of all of them. So the guy knows how to win in the league. Great for the Chicago Fire. Um, Ismail Kone of CF Montreal and the Canadian national team is set to join Watford. And it's reported to be a club record transfer fee. Transfer market has him valued at 6 million euros. So good for Montreal and developing him. Great for Wilfred Nancy. I wonder if he's going to do it when he moves to Columbus. Oh, not finalized yet. Not finalized. But we'll see if he can develop some young players for them. Um, also, a little bit for your world soccer knowledge, Watford is owned by the same family that owns the Italian club Udinese. So there's some speculation that Kone, should Watford get relegated, may then get a transfer or a loan over to Udinese so he can stay in top flight soccer. Rocky, I know you've been waiting for it. We're going to talk Portland Timbers right now. The Timbers have signed Brazilian attacking midfielder Evander. This has been in the works for some time now. He's going to occupy a DP spot for the Timbers. And this is the piece that the Timbers have needed. I hope now that they can go back and build out some of their midfield and some of their wingers a little bit because we they needed a striker like three or four seasons ago. I think, what was it, Brian Rodriguez was supposed to be that guy, and then he had all sorts of personal issues that we don't need to rehash. But they finally get their striker and and or attacking midfielder, and, and now hopefully they can rebuild that midfield. Hopefully Eric Williamson stays healthy for the season and is just handing out assists to Evander as he is making his slashing runs and firing rockets from 25 yards out or so. Um, a little bit about Evander. He's 24 years old. He's got 50 goals and 38 assists in 167 appearances for Danish club FC Midland. Uh, he, he, again, that's within league play. That's within tournament play, Champions League. He has Champions League experience, and I think he scored a Champions League goal as well. So, so let's go offense. Let's go Portland for getting their offensive player here. And in, in, in a final bit, of, uh, oh, here, Rocky, let's get your comments here, man. He says, I had to look it up when Blanco was wanting to leave last year. Claudio Bravo of the Timbers has just deleted all his Instagram posts. You know Instagram journalism is a real thing, Rocky, and, and he is breaking it here on our channel first. Thank you for that, Rocky. So there is definitely going to be some shakeup in Portland, it looks like. And Evander maybe was the first domino to fall and now the rest of the timbers front office can kind of uh can kind of take shape with, with their roster stay tuned and if you guys don't already make sure you follow rocky on instagram at talk and the woods and he's got all the great timbers content and he just got press credentialed so make sure you're following along because you know you're going to get exclusive things from portland timbers press conferences right there so we got it also 
Brother BKL says, exclusive James Sands was back in New York and at the facility recently, still wants to test himself in Europe. Rangers haven't reached out to make his move permanent yet. Rangers being uh, the biggest Scottish club up there with Celtic, depending on who you ask. Rocky continues on with Portland saying the front office drama is still up in the air, so anything can happen. And when anything can happen, it's always fun for people who follow the league. Last bit of transfer news, and we'll start to wrap tonight. Uh, still no messy deal to the MLS. He's still under contract with Paris Saint-Germain through 2023, so we'll see. Anyway, that's everything. I want to thank everyone who's jumped in the chat. If you want to support the show, you can do several things. You can watch the ads, click an ad. You can share the link. You can like, comment. All these things help us move up in the YouTube algorithm rankings. You can go look at some of the shorts we've put out. Heck, just, just put our playlist on repeat and set the playback speed to like two or three times and just, just let it roll. We appreciate it. Also, we've started a website and we have started a blog. The links to those are in the about section on our YouTube page. Make sure you go check all of that out. Um, if you want to get involved more with Sons of a Pitch on a sponsorship level, we do have sponsorships available for the blog and for the website, as well as some of our social media content. You can reach out to us at uh, via email, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com or at SOPsoccer on Twitter. Direct messages are open. Thank you to everyone. You can also leave super chats and super thanks here via YouTube if you love what we're doing, even if it's just 99 cents, if you only kind of like what we're doing. We're happy, uh, happy to receive the support in any way, shape, form, or amount it comes. But especially thank you to John Donovan, Skira Icelandic Spring Water for your support and all of our listeners out there on YouTube and on the podcast, because without you, I would just be a dude talking in my basement. And I, uh, I, my wife already thinks I'm goofy enough with soccer. So we don't need to add to that right there. Right. All right, everyone. Enjoy your evening. Stay tuned for a lot more soccer content and we will be back next week. As always, enjoy your night. <laughs>